Um, just, I'm honored to be able to share the word of the Lord this morning. Um, a little bit, if you're wondering about my hand, um, I burned it. You know, California guy came out here, got a big furnace, and stuck my hand right in the fire. So it's, it doesn't hurt anymore, but it's kind of embarrassing. So um, it's scaly and peeling. So I was like, man, it was going to shake my hand if that stuff's right there. So put a bandage on there. It can be shaken. Um, want to share that in aspect. You know, one thing I've been praying about, I was praying to God. I was like, God, help me, teach me to hate my sin. You know, obviously, you know, sin feels good to us, right? You know, it's a passing pleasure. And, and so we, we dive into those little things right there. And, you know, so when I burned my hand, you know, it was like I was really embarrassed about it, number one. Number two, it got red and painful, you know, and I finally was so embarrassed. I, I, my aunt was coming from Alaska, and she's out in the bush and burned a lot of fires. And so I went down. I'm like, hey, you know, I burned my hand. And so I was embarrassed, but I went there and told her about that. And, and you know, and what it is is it, it burned really bad. It hurt, of course. But uh, as I went on, it continued to hurt and be painful. And it's, you know, God was just reminding that's the way your sin is. Number one, it strikes in an instant. That's what happened, man. It was so fast. It burned me, reached in there, and man, got burned. And the second thing is it goes on for a while. But, you know, it's just, I'd like it to be done like that. And then, hey, when I sin, it's over, it's good, it's under the blood. But you know what? Sometimes sin has a lasting effect. It has a lasting effect on our lives and on the lives of those around us. Happy New Year's. You know, this is a new year. Don't you love New Year's? I love New Year's, you know, because it's get new commitments, new this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. You know, how many people have like those commitments for the new year? Anybody out there? Anybody have a commitment for the new year? You're going to read the Bible every, every day this year, right? You know, you're going to pray every day. You're going to get closer to Jesus. You're going to be a better parent, a better son. You're going to do good in school. All the new, new, new news that lasts for what? A couple months? And then after we blow it a few times, we're like, ah, oh, man, you know, let's wait till next year. You know, so every, I, I, I love the new year because there is that sense. The Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. Amen to that, because, man, that's the way he treats it. Just like Ben was talking about that newness that we have. And so this new year, I want to talk about something about being ready. You know, this is, God's got something for us in 2023. God's got something. We've made it through some rough times. We've been through some sinful times. We've been through some times where the enemy's been attacking the church, you know, because what, what happens is, you know, the enemy is out. The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, but Satan walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And that's how he does it. He just gets us to gets us wrapped up in our sin. I want to talk a little bit about being ready. And we're going to look at this series is going to be from 1 Kings chapter 7, 17, 1 through 7. And in the, the title of this series, When the Brook Dries Up. When the Brook Dries Up. So I want to talk about, just to give a little background into this. When we step into 1 Kings 17, we're going to talk about Elijah the Tishbite. And what happened was there was two kingdoms in Israel. There was the southern kingdom, which was Judah, and the northern kingdom, which was Israel. And they had come divided. After Solomon rose up, his son Rehoboam, he was a harsh king. And they came and said, hey, you know what, man, we don't like what's going on. He said, man, I'm going to really come down on you tough. And so these guys said, man, we're gone. We're out of here. So 11 of the tribes went up to this northern Israel, and then there was one tribe that stayed kind of true, and the people that loved God came down here because what happened up in the upper part of Israel was this guy Jeroboam, who was the king up there, he took and made these calves. 
I don't know what it is about cows, but Israel seems to have something about them. Cows, I've never wanted to worship a cow, but for some reason, they wanted to worship a cow. So they wanted to worship two golden calves, and they said, these are your gods right here. And so what happened? The moral decline of these people. So Ahab was the king at the round of time of King Elijah. And the Bible says about Elijah, now Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all those who were before him. This guy came in and he had set up and he had the golden calves and he also introduced the worship of Baal, which was the enemy of God. And they did sacrifices to him and he had Jezebel, this, you know, we've all heard about Jezebels out there. And so this was a a dark time. And that brings up my first point. I want to just come to the next slide. Be ready for the moral decline of those who reject God. And I say this because as a church, we're in a dark time. We're in a dark time here in America. I was on Facebook the other day, and there was a thing that came on from one of the posts, and it says, you know, why is there so much bigotry and racism in America? And you know what the answer was? There was this guy, and he was pointing at the Bible. That's the thing. That's what people are beginning to think because, you know, see, they want to say that this is hate speech. This is wrong. This, you know, because in, in, when we look at the things that we say are right, the world says this is what's right. See, when you reject God, you begin to move away from the Word of God, when people begin to say, hey, you know, it doesn't matter what God says in his word, it matters how I feel. It matters what, you know, if, if it's love. If love is the word that is used, then it must be right. Isn't that what people say? I mean, that's what they're saying today. Because they've rejected God's word, and they hold fast to their own desires and counsels. That's what really happens. When we reject God at any time in our lives, you're going to turn to something else and say, this is good. And so your morality has to continue to decline. At the point when Elijah the Tishbite rose, there was worship of Baal and sacrifices going on all over the place. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, when evil arises, men hide themselves. I mean, that's what's happened out. People are, are bound down to the world. People are saying, yeah, that's okay. Ah, what's it matter? It's love. It's okay. You know, and, and that's okay. You could do that. That's okay. You know, because God's okay with that. That's not true. God does not back up on his counsel or his word whatsoever. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. That's the God that we serve. He doesn't say, hey, that was a... Um, That was something way back then. It doesn't count today. No, that's not the God that we serve. We serve a God whose principles are the same today and forever. Let's look at the next slide. I want to kind of look at this. In in Romans chapter 1, 18 through 28, just in case we think there's something going on here, Paul, writing this book, is talking about the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, listen to this word, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And he goes on to talk about, man, what they do. They deny God. They don't accept God. They say there's no God, even though God has revealed his power. It goes on to say, and then at the, the next point, he gets to these three things, and he said, therefore God also gave them up 
to uncleanness. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. And in verse 20, again, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Here it is right there. That's the moral decline. See, Paul, in writing the book of Romans, was sharing with them. He said, hey, this is an indictment. This is a charge against the whole world. This is what happens when people reject God and set up their own thing. And he said they they worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. And any time you turn your eyes to anything else other than God, your morality begins to decline, and you begin to accept things that before you would have said, no, that's not a right standard. See, Mob and majority do not rule with God. The majority does not rule with God. God rules alone. His standards are right. His ways are just. His ways are true. So one of the things we need to is be ready. Don't be shocked. Don't be amazed by moral decline. When people get rid of God, that's the natural thing that's going to happen. It's not our job to be the Holy Spirit. It's not our job to save people. And you know what? Just understand that's the way people are going. What it is our job is to speak God's word. We're going to read this next, next passage. I want to get to First uh, Kings 17, 1 through 7. Look at this passage with me. First Kings 17, 1 through 7. Let's go to the next slide. All right, I'm going to read it out loud. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel is, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from me, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Number one, Elijah means Yahweh is my God. So he was one of the few people that prophesied and ministered to the northern tribes. Usually they didn't have a lot of prophets up there. Elijah has seven great miracles that are outstanding in the word of God that he did, including bringing somebody back to life. But we're not going to talk about that here. In this moral decline, God had called him to speak his word. Now, the Bible says in James chapter 5, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So I just one of the things we need to talk about here is God has called you to speak his word. God has called you to speak his word to an ungodly generation. Now, when we talked about don't be surprised at ungodliness, it doesn't mean that you don't speak to it, that you don't share, that you don't love. And we just sing songs about God saving us. I don't know about you. I've been saved. I've been redeemed. I've been raised up out of the grave. 
I saw some dead deer this week, and it reminded me of my brother Kelly's message right there. I was like, man, that was me over there. You know, and, and praise God. You know, I've been saved. I've been redeemed. I've been, man, God has raised me up and given me joy. Man, I was a foul person. I was a murderer. And God changed my heart and my life. And I'm so grateful for what he's done in my life. And I know if he could do it for me, he could do it for anybody. God is that good. He's so amazing. He's so wonderful. And that's what he does. There's no sin too great that God can't overcome. Where sin abounded, grace abounds much more. That's the God that we serve. There's nothing that should shock you what other people do because anybody's capable of any sin. Anybody's capable of any sin. And so, you know what? But we still speak life. We speak into people's lives. You might be the first person that speaks into their life. You might be the 500th person that speaks into their life. It doesn't matter. You're just sowing the seed or watering or doing whatever God calls you to do. But listen to this. When we talk about this principle that God is arranging, God wants you to do something. First Peter chapter 3 he, he says it sanctify God in your hearts, the Lord Christ Jesus in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense, to give an answer, to give an apology is the Greek word right there. It means to speak something, give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. In other words, do you have hope? Do you have hope? We'll speak it into somebody's life. It, man, it might be your unsaved family member. I can't do that. Well, I don't know. I mean, it might be your unsaved coworker. It might be your unsaved neighbor. It doesn't matter who it is, who God directs you to. He's placed us right where we need to be, but we need to be ready. Tell your neighbor, just, I, I'm kind of like a person, but you could just do me a favor. Just look at your neighbor and tell them, be ready. Oh, can we do that one more time? Can you just please, I just need, go ahead and look at your neighbor and tell them, be ready. All right, thank you. I think everybody got involved that time. You know, sometimes I just like to wake you up a little bit right there. So, right, be ready. Well, how do you sanctify? What does that mean? Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you. So what does it mean, sanctify? Well, you know, I just like simple kind of definitions. To me, you know, I got a knife I use just for cutting meat. It's sanctified for that purpose, right? It doesn't get used for anything else. It's only for that purpose. And God wants you to set apart God for a reason. In other words, if you've fallen in love with this King of Kings, if you found out that he loves you and you've given your life to him, there should be a process that you are giving him your heart. And when we give him our heart, something happens. Something happens in our life, man. And how do we set that apart? Well, you got to spend time with him, right? I mean, if you want to grow in your relationship with the person, you had to spend time with that person. Phone calls, dates, whatever it was that, you know, or going out with your buddies, whatever it is, you grow in a relationship. It's the same thing with Jesus. You got to be in his word. You got to be in this, in this Bible right here, you know, tattered and tore up. You got to be in this, in the Bible, man. You need to study it, find out what it says, even the boring parts, you know, first chronicles. Wow. I don't want to read those nine chapters and names. What is God? That can't be. Yes. All scripture is given by inspiration and profitable for teaching. Even those God put those in there for a reason. I don't know why, but he wants me to, to understand who he is. He's way smarter than me, right? Amen. He created the worlds. If he says, read it, you know what wisdom is? Reading it. Man, you know, I don't have to, I don't even have to understand it. 
I just got to read it. Get his word into my heart. Your words, I have hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. The entrance of your word brings light. Great peace have those who love your law. Man, there's so many exciting, wonderful principles. Man, this Bible, the word of God, man, can make your foundation firm, solid. When shakiness comes and when things happen, storms, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, man, he who does my word is like his guy that built his house on the rock. That's what's exciting. Your life firmly planted in Jesus will make you ready for the storms that are coming. The, the enemy is not done yet. The enemy is not done. He's not done in your life. He's not done with the church. Until Jesus comes back and puts him under his heel, he's still roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Hold on, he's not just some kind of cute little impy in with a little pitchfork and stuff like that. You just cuddle him. Not like that at all, man. He's the enemy. And he's out to kill us. He's out to slay our faith. He's out for those kind of things. So be ready. What means spend time with the Lord. Spend time and speak His Word. It's not our words that are going to change people. I can hope for the best. I tell you, when people tell me about their sin, I'd like to say amen. Amen. Go ahead and do that. Yeah, that sounds great. No, I can't say that. I can't say amen to that because that's not what God has said. And if I'm a, a steward, if I'm a if I'm a son of God, then I need to stand firm on the things of God and say, hey, you know what? That's not good. And I'm not a judge. Man, I've done worse. But I can still say, man, God, God, that's not the way of God. Man, God's got something better. No, that's sin. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, there's no scale sin. It's sin is sin. It's all. It doesn't, God said that one sin is deserving of death. He said, no, the wages of any sin. You could put that word in there. Any sin is death. Not the little tiny white lie or the murder. You know, the Bible says whoever breaks one law breaks them all. And that's, that's important right there. So my encouragement to you is to be ready. Sanctify the Lord Christ in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. That's what we want to do. Let's look at this next. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me see. What, do we have a number? So... Number three, let's go back one slide. Be ready to face hardship for your faith. Okay, so remember back to Elijah. He came and spoke to him. He said, at my word, there's not going to be rain um, until I say so. And then God told him, hey, check this out. You need to go and hide. When evil arises, men hide themselves. You need to go and hide by this brook Cherith over there because, you know, Ahab's going to seek to try to kill you, Right? And yet, if you look more in the passages, man, he sent people out in every city and every town to go find this guy because there was no rain in land. And God told him, I'm going to command the birds of the air. They're going to bring you some food. I don't know about you, but I don't like birds. I don't, birds, when they poop on me, I just don't like them. You know, some people like a lot of birds, but I can't even imagine. So this is hardship to me. Yeah, it sounds cool. Oh, the ravens. Yeah, they brought him food and water. You know, he had water from there, but they brought him some meat. The Bible said they brought him meat and bread. I don't know. I wouldn't want to eat it. But, you know, I don't know what kind of meat it was. I don't know, but I'm like, ooh, you know, hey, that doesn't sound really appetizing to me, this raven food, you know, whatever it is. So it's hardship. I want you to understand when, when you're doing the things of the Lord, you might not always get that big bank account. You might not always get blessed. 
You might have to run and hide. You might have to face some hardship for speaking out the word of God sometimes. Sometimes people aren't going to like you. Now I say love them, bless them, encourage them, but speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. That's what the Bible tells us. And so this is the important part right here. You might not always go through these great things. He was there in the brook, and he was there for quite some time. It doesn't say exactly how long, but the brook dried up. But the brook dried up. God, you know, and this is a recurring theme. Even like, you know, the great leaders, Moses, man, he was, you know, people didn't like him. He was called the most humble man on the face of the earth. And yet, you know what, man, his own sister said, you shouldn't be the leader. You know, and they, they try, you know, and, and the people told him, oh, you shouldn't be a leader. I should be a leader. And people rose up against him. And I mean, he went through some hardships. He said, God, I don't even want these people. I don't even want to be around them. So that's within the body of Christ or the children of Israel right there. What's going to happen outside? Yeah, people are going to say that, you know, they're going to persecute you. But even if you should suffer for doing what is good, do not get disheartened. But sanctify God. There it is once and again. And always be ready. Don't be discouraged. You know, the, the things that we're talking about, let's look at the next, next some slides. I just want to leave some words of encouragement. Words of encouragement. You might have to go through some hardship. Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you also. You know, sure. One of the blessings is we have family. You know, you're my forever family. You're going to have to get used to me because you're going to see me for all eternity. <laughs> so you might as well just get used to me now. Hey, you know what? I won't be with sin anymore, so that'll be a great thing. But, you know, obviously, these people that are sitting in this room that have claimed and accepted Jesus Christ into their Lord and hearts, these are your true family right here. And, you know, regardless of their sin or their struggles or their battles, you're going to be with them forever and ever and ever. And so I want to encourage you that this is the time to get to know people. We got blessing. Jesus said, Peter one time asked, um, Jesus said, man, we left everything. What will we get? A hundredfold. That's what he told him. You're going to get blessed in this life and the life to come. You know, I am so grateful for the family that I have in Christ. You, my brothers and sisters, who pray for me, encourage me, lift me up. Man, I'm just, I'm so grateful for the family that we have. And you know, it's not a family that, hey, it's blood family. It's the blood of Jesus, which goes on for all eternity. And that's, we have a singular focus of Jesus Christ, man, his death, his resurrection, his hope. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory that brings us and changes and transforms us. And that's where we're at, encouraging one another, lifting each other up, helping each other through our struggles, through battles, through sin, through whatever. As we speak God's word to each other and encourage one another to be ready for whatever's coming our way. Jesus told, he said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's what he told the disciples when he's with them. They're going to hate me, I've overcome the world, and you're going to overcome through me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so that's what's important as we focus on Christ. His victory is our victory. Man, the cross where he died, that's where we look to, we run to, and that is one day you're going to hear the most best words ever in your life. You're going to hear those words that say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. That's, that's better than a promotion, better than a raise, better than anything. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. 
all eternity right there. Nothing, this little life that we have, this, man, it's going so fast. It's a blink. The Bible calls it a vapor that appears for a second that vanishes away. What does it matter? Unless you hear those wonderful words, everything else is worth nothing. There's only one thing that you're going to take with you when you leave, and that's the relationships that you built here upon this earth. That's it. The only thing that you're ta- we're taking with us is we're taking these relationships. What have we done with God, what God gave us? Look at Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hey, when you go through hardship, when you struggle, when you're going through a battle because of your faith, because you spoke the word of God in somebody's life, and they don't like that, they don't receive that, they say you're you know, hateful, hate speech, uh, whatever it is, um, you're a judge, you're judging me. No, I'm not. You're just you know, you're speaking God's word into their life because it's God's word, and he says his word shall accomplish and it shall prosper in the thing for which he sent it. God's words brings life. It's God's word that changed our hearts. So when we do, hey, we can rejoice. This is what's important. Look at this. I want, I want us to, you know, this year as we go through, as we're ready for whatever God brings our way. I don't know. You know, I don't know what God is going to bring to us this year. But I do know the principles is that we need to get closer to him. We need to fall deeper in love with him. And we need to be ready for whatever he puts in our path. He's called us not to sit in pews. He's called us to do his work, whatever that is. And sometimes struggle is going to be inside. Sometimes the struggle is going to be outside. Sometimes it's going to be outside the church. And sometimes it's going to be inside the church. These things are all going to happen to us. And we need to be ready for whatever it is. Because God hasn't told us what's going to happen here. He's, you know, we know the long-term plan. The long-term plan is that Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back one of these days, and we're going to be with him in glory. But that's not happening, at least right now. So right now, we need to be ready. But what do we need to do? So Paul was in prison in the book of Philippians, and he was going through some struggles. Man, his prison wasn't like the prison of today's. Man, he had big old manacles on him. This is probably painful stuff, chained up to a guard 24 hours a day. And what does he say at the end of this passage in, in Philippians chapter 4? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Here is the principle of the matter. No matter what happens in the world, no matter what happens in our lives, no matter what trials we go through, no matter what we face, no matter how many brooks dry up, no matter how many times God says go get some food from some birds, whatever it is in your life that's going on, that's a hardship, that's a struggle, that you're going through, man, there's one step above it. Don't focus on that. Elijah had to keep his eyes on the Lord when he was there. It was God's provision, and it's going to continue to be God's provision in our lives that sustains us. Waiting upon God, we heard that message last week. Waiting upon God is not always easy to do, but those who wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. Cast your burden on the Lord, and He shall sustain you. That's what the Bible says. He'll hold you up. He'll lift you up. He'll bear you up. And that's where our joy comes from. Whatever we're facing, we need to focus back in on what Christ has done for us, what he is doing for us, and what he's going to do in us. Those are the three aspects of salvation. Man, he's delivered us from the penalty of sin. Praise the Lord. He is delivering us from the power of sin. I can overcome. And he's going to deliver us from the presence of sin. That's glorification. Praise the Lord. 
And through the battles, he says, man, grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient. And we can rejoice in him no matter what we are going through. And that's where God wants our focus from our circumstances to his glory, his power, his provision in our lives. And when we do that, guess what's going to happen? It's going to cause you to speak again. All of a sudden, your trial is going to turn into a testimony. Your hardship's going to be hooray for Jesus. That's what's going to happen. You're going to say, God delivered me yet again. It's not just one time, amen? God's not just a one-time deliverer. Yes, he has delivered, and he's going to deliver us. And that's who we look to. You know, I think we quoted that verse a couple times. I look to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. Amen. And that's where when all of a sudden your focus is there, you're going to rise up. You're going to have joy no matter what you're going through. Yes, it's still going to be hard. doesn't mean you have to walk around with a big sick smile on your face. Uh, you know, that's, that's fake. You can go through trials. You can go through anger. You can go through upset. You can go through tears. You can go through hardship. You can go through loss. All those things are going to happen to all of us. But when we're focused on Christ, we have a foundation which cannot be moved. And we can rejoice in him that he is our king and that he loves us and has a wonderful, wonderful, amazing plan for our lives. And it may not seem like it, but he does. And that's when we trust him. 